This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer Worldwide. I'm Bob Comsick, sitting in for Libby Zneimer. There's no question that if you suffer from a stroke, it can alter your life significantly. It's something that John Topham knows very well six years ago. He suffered a significant stroke, which limited his walking, talking, his ability to do what he loved. But proper rehab and plenty of exercise have helped John bounce back and become even healthier than he was before. He'll join us today. Plus, after 12 years as Toronto's Medical Officer of Health, Dr. David McEwen is about to retire. He led the city on a number of issues and had no problems pushing for social change at the same time. We'll ask him about what he's learned in the role and what's next. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It appears more Canadians are taking a more active role in managing their investments in retirement. About 10% of online investors are made up of Zoomers who are active enough to consider calling themselves day traders. Low interest rates have hurt those who depend on fixed income returns, so many have taken a more hands-on approach to trading. If you're interested in getting involved, experts say the best advice is to minimize risk and not get involved in so-called flashy stocks like Apple or Valiant. Dog walkers over the age of 60 are healthier, according to a study done by researchers at Miami University in Ohio. The study looked at data from the 2012 Health and Retirement Study and found that those who walk dogs have lower body mass indexes, fewer limitations in daily activities, and fewer chronic conditions. Co-author Rebecca Johnson says beyond the fitness part of walking a dog comes the social aspect. She says people enjoy talking to those Zoomers who walk theirs, calling it a bridge to other generations. And you don't have to own a dog either. Johnson says you can also walk shelter pets or someone else's dog to reap the benefits. A 91-year-old woman over in London, England, took 71 years in between classes, but has now completed a master's degree in Shakespeare and performance. Patricia Bishop first graduated in 1945 with a degree in psychology from Bedford College and had earned a degree in English in 2010. For her dissertation, the grandmother watched 37 performances of Shakespeare's work at the Globe Theatre in the space of six weeks. She says people shouldn't be afraid of giving education a go regardless of age. The father of the TV infomercial has died following an undisclosed illness. 87-year-old Phil Kivas was founder of the marketing company KTEL International. You from KTEL Records, 22 explosive hits, 22 original stars, gallery. Oh, it's so KTEL nice. products included a long list of compilation vinyl LPs as well as the Vegematic Vegetable Slicer. He's credited with developing the first infomercial back in 1962, a five-minute feature on a non-stick frying pan. 
I'm Bob Comsick, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The damaging effects from a stroke are well-known. Loss of speech and control of motor functions are common. Doing something as simple as eating breakfast or drinking tea can become a huge burden. John Topham of London, Ontario, knows that all too well. Back in 2010, he had a stroke and lost his ability to speak, lost the ability to walk, and couldn't do one of the things he loved the most, exercise. But through a slow and steady rehab that included physical exercise on a daily basis has helped him recover fully and, some may argue, made him even healthier than he was. John Topham and his wife, Marilyn, join me on the line. Now, a recent study in the journal Disability and Rehabilitation found stroke patients did not feel confident in their ability to exercise successfully uh, soon after a stroke. Uh, Would you agree with that, John, considering what happened to you? Well, I think right after, for sure, because I I couldn't walk. So I I was fairly disabled. So, uh, but, but... uh, by 2012, I joined the Good Life Fitness Club. It was around the corner from us, and, and we started getting back into fitness because I used to be fairly active in fitness. I had a home gym in my basement, and I had four types of equipment down there, and I used it all the time. So, so anyways, my physiotherapist came out there, and she just looked at some of the equipment. She said, don't do this one. You can do this one. I started with small weights, and uh, and then she came back a year later, and we added more stuff onto my r- regimen. So... I just came from the gym this morning where I spent two hours and 20 minutes doing it. Good for you. Uh, Marilyn, now it seems like seeing as John was active before this happened, it might not have been that difficult for him to have the mental wherewithal to, to try to do something. But uh, what about part you played in, in getting him going back on the road to recovery? Well, I think um, you're absolutely right. John is, was always very disciplined in his fitness, and um, so you have to be a pretty strong partner, but John is a, a, a beautiful person to work with. And um, at, at first, after his stroke, yes, there was some depression. There was uh, not the willingness to try and, and move forward that he felt he should have died, that my life would have been easier. And I had to, you know, interrupt him and say, put yourself in my position. If I were you and I told you that, how would you feel? He said, well, I wouldn't like it. I said, well, then you have to respect me to try and help you out through this. I said, we're a team. We've got to work through this together. And so I had to push him a lot. I had to be his cheerleader. And we were never gym members before. But I had encouraged him to join because it would be good for him and I to be together and to get out of the house, to to be part of a, you know, a member of people that look for wellness in their life. And I had to be almost a shadow at first. John's my best friend, so it wasn't that hard to try and guide him along. And, as, of course, he had the desire to want to get better. Someone listening who might be in a similar situation in terms of what's happened, but not in the similar situation with having the type of support that you two have, what do you both say to them to get them going if they don't have that mental strength and they don't have that spousal support? Yeah, if you want to get, you know, actually get back into fitness, if you did it before, or if you want to just take up fitness, I mean, I tell the, the people at the gym as far as, you know, start small, set your goals small. You do five of this today, seven of those maybe next week, and, and then maybe ten of those the week after that, and just go from there, and, and don't, don't, don't take on too much. That's important. Marilyn? I think that uh, 
you know, if you are on your own, uh, absolutely it's going to be a challenge. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of down days. Uh, and if um, they can just either work with um, a support group and uh, it takes a village, really, to help you get better. It's not just myself. I mean, uh, as being John's spouse, but, you know, when they're in a situation with their medical um, professionals, they can direct them into uh, outpatient um, programs. Uh, we are fortunate here in London to have, you know, Parkwood Hospital, but I think in smaller communities, um, it, it is going to be more difficult. It's easy to give up, but I think you have to set a little goal each day, whether it's walking 10 steps. I'm going to try and use my right arm uh, for something, or sometimes it won't move, it's true, but you know, luckily with John, I mean, he has surprised the medical profession, but he worked hard. He really worked hard. It's taken six years, and he's still not giving up. How many times have we heard the phrase, and I'm paraphrasing here, as long as you have your health? Mm-hmm. When, you, when you hear that now or when you've uh, heard that, considering what's, what's happened uh, to you, John, yeah. I mean, no taking it for granted. Exactly. Without health, you don't have very much, really. We have friends and people you read about and hear about, and and somebody has a heart attack, or they can, then I can't travel, or they have a heart attack and end up dying or something, or if they get cancer and they pass away. And we've seen people die in our lives that we know in the last few years that 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 that's come to, to illness that aren't with us anymore. And uh, so I think I think every day, what can I do today? And do some exercise, do some some physical, get out for a walk, or go around the block, or go to the park and. Or walk to the store, whatever you can, you can do stuff, you know. So never give up and never surrender. That's my model, really. Today, I just keep just keep persevering. John and Marilyn, uh, thank you both. Inspiration, and uh, obviously the one couldn't do it with uh, without the other. No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, my <laughs> no, best. that's yeah. great, Bob. I've got, I've got a good wife for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're lucky to have one another. It sounds like yeah. so. All yeah. the best to both of you. Thanks, Bob. I've been speaking with John Topham, who suffered a stroke six years ago. I'm Bob Kopsik in for Libby's Nimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. When we return, I'll be joined by Toronto's outgoing medical officer of health, Dr. David McEwen, will tell us what he's learned after a dozen years of keeping Torontonians healthy. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. He was the face of the city of Toronto during the H1N1 scare. He calmed public fears during the global Ebola crisis. But Toronto Medical Officer of Health Dr. David McEwen didn't just stick to medical advice. He also weighed in on social issues like decreasing the speed limits on city streets, poverty, and most recently, safe injection sites in the city. After 12 years as the chief medical officer for the city of Toronto, Dr. McEwen stepping down in July. His retirement announcement shocks many, including Toronto Board of Health Chair Joe Mahevic, who's now looking for a replacement. But what has Dr. McEwen learned during his time here? And what's next? He joins me now. An easy decision for you to make? No, I don't think it's ever an easy decision to uh, leave a job which uh, is important and gives you a lot of satisfaction. So it wasn't one of those, all right, this is the time. This is something that you've thought about for a while. Yes, I think anyone who who's in a role like this really has to think about it. Um, one of the big questions, of course, is what do you do next? And 
I think this is probably the most important thing that I'm going to do in my career, but I hope to still continue to be making some kind of contribution towards public health. You must have a bit of an idea just which road you're going to walk down. You maybe don't know what's on that road, but you've obviously decided to make a turn here. Yes, I'm still interested in, in some of the things that uh, that brought me to this role in the first place. Uh, I'm still interested in things which make a difference for people's health, that make a difference for health equity, the, the big differences that we see between different communities in Toronto. Uh, I'm still interested in uh, in trying to work towards an environment that doesn't threaten people's health, and I, I hope I'll have some chances to, to still work on those issues. Is the idea to do all of this, what you just said, just out of the spotlight as opposed to in it like you've been? Well, I think I think uh, retirement is often about choice. Uh, I'm hoping that this will give me a chance to choose the ways in which I want to uh, to make a contribution. Uh, every job comes with things that you uh, uh, you know that bring you, that draw you to the work, and things that you know are just part of the job. And uh, retirement for me, hopefully, is about making some choices. Let's look back, uh, and you've maybe done some of this uh, in making your decision after announcing your decision reflecting on uh, what you've done in the position you're about to uh, to leave what really comes to mind when you reflect back on your your career as Toronto's medical officer of health well I, I think I, I think about two things uh, there there are the things that people most often think of when they think about the medical officer of health and the public health department. Uh, those are the sort of high-profile public health threats like SARS and the big Legionnaire's disease outbreak that we had about a decade ago that killed 21 people, the H1N1 pandemic. Those are the things that, that make the headlines in which public health role is very visible, in which you know, people are looking to us to, uh, to help protect them. Um, and those are very important. But uh, I also think about some of the longer-term um, work that we do to try and uh, keep the population healthy, in particular looking at, at uh, the disparities in health between rich and poor, between uh, you know, people who are new to the city, people who are born here. There are you know, some really clear patterns, and, and uh, I believe that everyone should have uh, you know, the option for having good health. Everyone should uh, reach their maximum health potential. So a lot of the work that we do in those areas is very important and will continue uh, after I leave this role. Uh, I think we've also um, uh, discovered how important it is uh, to shape a city that supports health. You know, the way in which we move around the city, whether we walk or bike or uh, take public transit or drive in our cars, makes a difference to how healthy the city is. Um, and so the work that we do working with, you know, planners and, and transportation people uh, is also making an important contribution. And that, too, will continue. Once you're gone, do you think you'll be following what will be going on at City Hall in terms of health? Yes, I think so. I, I don't think that's something you give up easily. I think I'll continue to be interested in how my uh, colleagues at the city and in particular in Toronto Public Health are, are working on issues that are important to all of us. And offering comments, sometimes maybe publicly, but a lot of the time privately. <laughs> well, I'll have to decide what, uh, how public a role uh, I'd like to have going forward, but uh, I certainly will be following the issues with interest and I'll be trying to play a constructive role. Again, I know we're, we're doing this balancing of looking forward and also looking back. As you'll be moving forward, is there going to be any particular issue that will really always have a soft spot where you're concerned in terms of how things turned out? 
I, I would say, and I've spoken about this a couple of times already in our conversation, I would say that uh, you know the, the health disparities that we see in the city is one of the most striking features of our health as a city. The fact that you know people living on a low income, people who are newcomers, people who are part of racialized groups don't have as good health as the rest of us. We're doing some work recently with Indigenous leaders. Uh, you know, the Indigenous community suffers from much poorer health than the general population. And I think, you know, one of the things that will stick with me is the the community advocates and leaders who have really fought for their communities within Toronto to try and level the playing field. Okay. I think we're good there. I want to wish you uh, nothing but the best uh, with the, the future, and I guess on behalf of uh, Torontonians, thanks for your efforts and long hours over the years. Thanks very much. Dr. David McCune, Toronto's Medical Officer of Health, who will be stepping down from his post in July. I'm Bob Comsick in for Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. We'll take a quick break and then return to celebrate the birthday of iconic singer-songwriter Judy Collins. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. It's time for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. American Psycho the Musical is on stage at the Schoenfeld Theater in New York. American Psycho is based on Brett Easton Ellis' bestseller of the same name. The King and I opens this weekend at the Lyric Opera of Chicago. It's the story of a British school teacher who's hired by the King of Siam to tutor his wives and children. At the Los Angeles County Art Museum, The Perfect Medium explores renowned photographer Robert Maplethorpe's body of work. Julie Romaine is assistant curator. Portraiture, floral still life, and the human body, the nude. Those were his three subjects throughout his career. The show runs until July 31st. And you can explore 4,000 years of Sicilian history in an exhibition at the British Royal Museum in London, which uses objects from the museum's own collection. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. Judy Collins is celebrating her 77th birthday. She was born May 1st, 1939. Throughout her career, she's recorded 27 studio albums and is well known for her eclectic tastes in the material she chooses. It has included folk music, show tunes, pop music, rock and roll, and standards. Like many folk singers of the Zoomer generation, Collins is also known for her role in social activism, something she's kept up. She's currently a representative for UNICEF and campaigns on behalf of the abolition of landmines. Right now, we'll hear one of her biggest hits. It's a cover of the great Leonard Cohen song, Suzanne. Suzanne takes you down to a place by the river. That was Judy Collins singing Leonard Cohen's Suzanne. Happy 77th birthday, Judy. And that rounds out this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Bob Komsik. Libby Zneimer returns next week. Be sure to tune in to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Zneimer. Produced by Paul Thomas. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.